Welcome to Ask AI, the podcast that brings you insightful interviews and news from the world of Canadian artificial intelligence. This episode is sponsored by Microsoft Canada. Microsoft is committed to building trusted and responsible AI systems. To learn more, go to microsoft.com AI and check out their free AI business school to start building intelligence into your solutions today. We're also sponsored by Cinchi, the global leader in data fabric technology. Visit cinchi.com to learn how to eliminate integration and turbocharge your AI transformation. Hello and welcome AI enthusiasts to the Ask AI podcast. Today, we have an extremely special episode because we have not one, but two amazing guests. We have Manal Siddiqui and Pietro Galliano. Hi, it's a pleasure. So exciting to have both of you here. I'm going to read their bios a little bit so we can get to know these incredible guests. Manal is committed to growing Canada's position as a globally significant voice in the responsible stewardship of AI and digital technologies, and in progressing society's understanding of how technological advancements can positively impact fairer, safer, and more inclusive global communities. Prior to transitional forms, she was one of the first employees hired to build at the Vector Institute, one of the premier machine learning research institutes in the world. Having grown up in Karachi, Pakistan, and lived in Switzerland, the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom, Manal often fantasizes about a world without borders. She currently resides in Toronto with her family and is mastering the art of hiding from them in her backyard, she shed. I love it. And Pietro is the pioneer of new forms of media and entertainment that enable humans to understand what it means to be machine and machines what it means to be human. His commitment to the notion that art has the power to create a hopeful future in a post-singularity world has led to the founding of Toronto-based studio lab, Transitional Forms. Prior to Transitional Forms, Pietro co-founded Secret Location in 2008, where he and his team made history in 2015 by winning the first ever Emmy Award for a virtual reality project. His work has been recognized throughout a multitude of awards, including not one Emmy, but two Emmys, 11 CSAs, 31 FWAs, three Webbies, a Peabody Facebook Award, and Kane's Lion. My goodness, what two incredibly accomplished guests. Once again, please welcome Manal and Pietro. Thank you. All right. And today we're going to talk about the future of AI and the metaverse. For our listeners who may not have any idea what that is, can one of you define what is the metaverse? Like, what even is that? What does that mean? Well, there are a bunch of different ideas on what the meta metaverse could be. And, and that's why I think there's so much interest in it is it, it, it can be everything to everyone. And um, there's a lot of hype around it. Um, but to me, the metaverse is an immersive space uh, of interconnected experiences that could be for work or entertainment or play. And it's a place where humans will be able to interact with each other. And, you know, the promise of the, the metaverse is that these experiences will, I, I believe the promise of the metaverse is that these experiences will, will adapt to us as humans and be um, hyper-personalized. So that, that's what really excites me about, about this uh, coming future. And it's an inevitable future, right? 
I mean, anything can happen. Um, it's hard, you know, as we've just lived through a, a, a global pandemic that kind of uh, switched the plans <laughs> for for much of the earth. Um, you know, it, it, nothing's inevitable, but I think that certainly tr uh, technology is, is on that trajectory, AI included. Um, and we can, you know, I think a lot of people are banking on it now. So that that just reinforces the fact that this will happen. And we are seeing versions of the metaverse right now, right? Like you have Roblox, you have Fortnite, like all of these are big blockbuster kind of news items. Uh, but there are other versions, you know, that there are virtual beings existing in Decentraland, uh, whole digital economies that are, you know, coming up within these virtual worlds. So there are different building blocks being built for this. Nobody quite knows what the metaverse looks like, but m many people, including us, have a, you know, have a vision for it. I like that. So it's not necessarily the metaverse, but a series of metaverses that can all exist and offer different things to different people. Well, that's a huge question for Mark Zuckerberg around <laughs> the operability, right? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how capitalism takes over the metaverse. But yes, that is effectively um, right now the way it's going to be built. Fascinating. Well, why don't you share with our listeners, you know, what are some of the key insights at transitional forums that lend themselves to developing a framework for the metaverse? Yeah, I, I think um, our hope is for AI to play a significant role in, in the content creation. And we, we believe that because it's just not possible to create hyper-personalized experiences, uh, if that is the promise, and that, that's what I believe it is, hyper-personalized experiences across the entire planet, you know, 24 hours a day, what would that require, you know, billions of developers at their keyboard nonstop 24 hours a day, right? So um, what we're trying to do is create technologies and, you know, whether it's integrating existing AI models or uh, whether it's generative systems or training our own models, um, we're trying to integrate different technologies that will help the content creation process for this type of immersive, personalized content. And we, we were excited about that because we can already see that's what audiences want. They want this ever fresh feed of content that's uh, curated for them. So yeah, the, the, those are the technologies that we're developing, and uh, and we've already we've already covered a lot of ground in 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 music and in dynamic television, uh, dynamic gaming dynamic films. So yeah, the future is bright. And and one of the things that Pietro keeps telling me around the, you know, he, he said this really well, and I think this is what convinced me to join Transitional Forums. And this is exactly why I left the Vector Institute to join Transitional Forums, because this vision that Pietro kept trying to communicate to me is that storytelling over the ages has been the operating system of humanity. And if we're going to nurture empathetic machines that not just serve us, but go create with us, then we need them. We need to be telling them stories and we need to be telling stories with them. It's like storytelling is the operating system for our, our culture, you know, and, and storytelling is, we believe the operating system for, for our cultures. And um, if machines can understand that about humans, and we can understand machines in, in, in return, then that's our best hope for, you know, uh, a hopeful future. That is incredible. Did you hear that, listeners? Storytelling is the operating system of humanity. Absolutely brilliant. And, and it gives me a lot of vibes. You know, I'm thinking about indigenous cultures where it was all oral histories. I'm thinking of even girl gabbing 
telling stories at the bar, you know, <laughs> all the different areas in life where we are, you're right, telling stories for humanity. I think that's, that's brilliant and amazing. And maybe help me, but maybe our listeners will want to know this too, but help connect the storytelling piece with the metaverse and some of this content creation at scale with AI that you were talking about. Maybe just one more time to make it really crystal clear. How does the metaverse and storytelling and this content creation at scale with AI all connect together? We think that um, storytelling is perhaps not the great connector, but a great connector for humanity, and that it can help us translate different technologies and interconnect them together as well. So if music can translate to storytelling and, you know, systems that drive our films can connect to storytelling, obviously, you know, entertainment is a, is a, is a safe place for us to play with this idea and, and hopefully a valuable place for us to play with this idea. But if we can train AI models based on interactive media and culture and storytelling to help it, them, the, the technology understand us and culture feeds off of content, just like AI feeds off of data. So if we can close that loop, it helps to connect AI and culture uh, as, as we think that dynamic entertainment can connect AI and culture as efficiently as possible. I have chills. Wow. Wow. This is a really exciting future. So let's, let's chat a little bit more about, you know, what's the relevance of creative culture to AI? So right now, the way most AI is being developed is within very narrow commercial applications that are being used to optimize processes and maximize efficiencies, typically lending to reducing operating costs or increasing the bottom line. The beauty of culture is that it has the power to collectively shape AI in a way that it's not being conditioned at the moment. And that is through interaction, real-time play. And so, you know, as Pietro was saying, there is this flywheel effect. AI needs data. That data is being created in real time through culture or engagement with culture. That AI is generating content and co-creating content at transitional forms. And then that gets fed right back into culture and new generated content that allows, you know, the society to play around with it more. And so the more you keep doing it, there's a virtuous cycle that keeps feeding each other. And that's literally the role culture can play. It is expanding accessibility and intuitive understanding of what AI actually is, rather than large theoretical concepts that are, you know, quite honestly, intimidating for people who aren't technically skilled. And, and boring in a way, like no offense. I mean, this is where I work too. And I'm like, great, we optimize some processes. Great, we cut costs. And great, we increased revenue, like in this specific narrow little way. Woo, you know, like this is much more creative and exciting. And it makes, it makes the idea of AI, I think, more palpable for the everyday person and for communities and cultures to actually engage with, understand. And like you're saying, it almost sounds like co-create, like there's an opportunity for co-creation with, you know, humanity at large, it, right here in, in this metaverse that you're, you're working on. Well, you're looking at the man who's actually, sorry, I, I, I'm always like really starstruck with Pietro, but you're looking at the man who's literally pioneered the concept of co-authorship with AI, right? 
all of our experiences have this three-way authorship where the AI and the creative directors or the creatives are collaborating together, putting out content for audiences to interact with in real time and thereby shaping content in real time. And that's one of the beauty of what AI allows us to do. It's, it's a completely new form of creating. Well, since this is probably audio only, no one can see how hard I'm blushing right now. So I'll, I'll knock myself down a couple notches and say that, you know, I've I've been fascinated with AI since I was a a, a little kid. Like the the idea of intelligent machines is both, you know, I, I love it and I, I fear it at the same time. And this endeavor was a, a bit selfish to be able to like access it as a creative person because my math sucks. <laughs> and uh, the the people that are are generating this incredible technology are have computer science degrees and and um and people like me, a, a you know a graphic designer, a filmmaker, a, a storyteller. It's hard to access that that technology. Um, so you know what we are trying to do at transitional form is have the creative process as part of that training of these these models or informing what what the AI uh, can do um, and showing that the AI can be more than just optimizing for optimizing sake and that it can be part of the creative process and and unlock imagination and unlock human potential and so um yeah that that's certainly our motive Wow. I mean, it, and it's it's true, right? You know, you're hitting on the, the history of AI starting largely rooted in statistics. And people will always say, you know, even investors joke around, is this AI or is this just a linear regression? Like what's actually happening here? Um, and the, the different almost, I think it is the different tiers of AI. Like, what are you doing? Are you doing more simplified machine learning, even if then rules-based? Or are you doing like full-on transformer models on these data sets, which is a lot of jargon for our listeners, but Maybe that will appeal to our more technically inclined listeners. There are there are levels to it, and this this is so ridiculously cool, and I'm completely fascinated by what you're working on. And you know, at large, like why should Canada be you know fascinated by what you're working on? You know, why is Canada at large you know important as a country and uh, ideally AI leaders with all this? And what's the real opportunity for Canada in this space where we have the intersection of creativity in the metaverse and AI? Well, to tell you the truth, this is Canada's advantage to lose by not playing in the metaverse, right? Canada was the first country out the gate with an AI strategy. This was back in 2017. I joined the Vector Institute that benefited greatly from uh, the pan-Canadian AI strategy um, that was launched then. And, you know, that that alone brought in $1.9 billion of venture capital investments last year. Um, so, you know, we, we, we have really uh, stepped up our game within the AI industry writ large globally. But what we also have in Canada is an incredible cultural entertainment industry, especially gaming. We are particularly really, really good at gaming. If you combine gaming and AI together, those are building blocks for the metaverse. At least that's our thesis. And so Canada is like the world's best in, you know, some of the areas, some of the best games in uh, in the world have come out from the 700 gaming studios here in Canada. Um, and we've got, you know, we've got um, AI researchers that, that lead 
the world in thought and 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 bleeding edge AI research. You combine the two, and we're we could effectively lead the world in in, in creating a metaverse shaped on the values that we value as a society. And I may be idealizing Canada here as a Canadian, but I do think that we have a culture that's sensitive to different voices, different different angles, different backgrounds. Uh, you know, multiculturalism is 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 I believe part of our DNA, and I think this is the perfect place to explore AI biases and and create systems that engage with culture itself. You know, I I, I think that we're one of the best places in the world to to challenge the cultural relevance of of artificial intelligence, especially through media. Brilliant. And that's exactly where I was going to go and ask next is like, what is the interplay of, of Canada's diversity and multiculturalism? You know, even even as a white woman, I'm Italian and Greek first, Canadian second, right? Like just by heritage. Whereas, you know, when you go to other countries, particularly the States, they're American first, and then maybe they have uh, their other cultural um, backgrounds second. And so you're right, just culturally, the way that we think about ourselves and each other and how we relate to our histories, to our stories and to our various cultures, it, it's really different in Canada. And it's this unique advantage on a societal mental level um, and consciousness, if you will, but then also the hard skills, right? You talk about all these gaming studios that we have. Uh, you talk about all the AI talent that we have and bringing all of that together. It's it's a perfect opportunity. So I'm I'm excited. And for our listeners out there, this is your time to shine. I, I just want to say that that level of diversity is baked into the DNA of transitional forms. Uh, the co-founders are all, <laughs> not only do we look different, not only do we sound different, but I swear to God, every single conversation turns into this multi-complex <laughs> conversation where we approach it from like all these different angles. You know, it, our, our other co-founder, Dante, whom we love very much, it, you know, brings this technical spin to it. Uh, Pietro brings this creative spin to it. And I'm just like, where's, where are we going to make money? <laughs> and so it's just like, it's this fantastic spirited discussion that happens. And the beauty that comes out from that, you know, I, I wish I could capture that magic and like sell that because I swear to God, it is honestly refreshing. And that's the power of teams, right? And that's when you know, you've built a good team. That's pretty amazing. I, I, it sounds like a great group. I mean, I, I want to come work with you guys now. You're, you're getting me all excited. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even told you about the rest of our team yet, but oh uh, my anyway, goodness. <laughs> we'll be here all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. We only have a few more minutes on this, but you know, <laughs> amazing. So, you know, as we get into the latter portion of this podcast and this conversation that we're having, which is fascinating. There are a couple of things I want to hit on to help our listeners envision themselves in your shoes. And, you know, I'd love to start with you, Manal, because you've given us a little bit of background coming from the Vector Institute and all that, and, you know, living literally all over the world and now hiding out in your she shed, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. True. It's true. <laughs> you know, I, I'd love to hear if you can summarize or simplify in any way maybe an overview of some of the steps you took in your journey and your career to get from, I don't know, high school or, you know, if, if you went to undergrad, things like that. Cause I also don't want people to think you have to have a whole slew of degrees. You don't, but you know, 
somewhere in there from your education moving forward to today, how did this even happen? How did you even get here? What do some of those steps look like so that our listeners can envision it for themselves? I can guarantee you it's not because of my educational background, which is in biotech, business management, and law. <laughs> even though they're, you know, complementary skills and they complement the work that I'm doing right now, it is not because of my education. I was incredibly fortunate to have lucked into uh, building the Vector Institute. And I was also incredibly fortunate to be mentored by one of the greatest, uh, whom I consider one of the greatest machine learning researchers in the world, Rich Semmel. Um, and he took me under his wing um, and helped me build, well, we helped each other build out the research community at the Vector Institute. The way I went about being able to relate to all our researchers who are our researchers, I still consider them part of my community. Um, but the way I'm, I, I went about communicating and, and, and connecting with them was by reading their research, was by questioning their research, was by trying to understand their research and not just their research, but their students are just, you know, uh, the beauty about machine learning and the machine learning community is that there's no head honcho and then the minions. People in this world, there's, there's a very specific culture in machine learning where everybody's still talking about ideas at all different kinds of levels. Everybody has something to contribute. And it is listening to those voices um, and the intersection of those voices uh, that is just th this, this beauty that happens there as they're formulating ideas. So yes, I was incredibly fortunate to be at the Vector Institute to take advantage of 500 AI research voices. Um, but it was a lot of reading, a lot of trying to understand how different people were approaching this, attending conferences and you know having people present their papers. That's how I got into AI research or AI writ large. So to summarize your side, you recommend you know some form of mentorship from all sorts of different folks in this broad AI ML community, whether it's some of the greats like you mentioned, and all everyday researchers who just have brilliant contributions. And then of course, going to these conferences and having the researchers explain their papers, which I'm sure really helps. I've read some too, and it's like, uh, pardon? I've read this paragraph four times now. You know, so reading the papers, but then even going to the conferences and hearing what they have to say on their papers. So those are some of the actions and activities that you recommend for folks who are looking to get into AI. That's correct, yeah. Awesome. That well, Pietro, I mean, and especially with your creative background, I'm sure it's a whole other story. Tell us, you know, you said you were really interested in AI as a kid. You you loved this concept of a future with intelligent machines, and now you're literally building it. It's a reality. You know, how, how did that happen? How did you get here? Yeah, I, you know, I grew up on a farm with blue skies and Lego and Mario paint. And I think it probably started there um, where, you know, being inspired by inspired, meaning fearful of and falling in love with sci-fi movies and, and comic books and, and stuff like that, that kind of predicted this future of intelligent machines. I had nothing to do, but imagine what, what, how humans are going to traverse this, this potential future. And tr truth be told, I lived uh, a lot of my life in fear of of you know super intelligence and this this idea that humanity is going to lose control and uh, there's a point in my life and my career where i was hyper interested in in you know i was seeing ai emerge uh, in creative ways all around me and i was interested in pursuing that 
but didn't know how as a creative person. And I, I just decided I would uh, pursue the answers with love instead of fear and say, I'm going to dive in and use my creativity to, you know, it, play a play a role not necessarily solve any problems but play a role in this uh emerging industry and um you know uh, the way i did it was just to reach out to people who actually knew what they were talking about <laughs> and who were willing to engage in some of these fantastical ideas on on creative machine intelligence and you know honestly it it, it took a, a while there's there's more people out there at that time that thought that this is a crazy idea than than thought that this is something worth pursuing. But um, as time goes on, and as the technology matures, and, and things happen in the world that require uh, the machines to be creative, it's it's been a wonderful process to see to see it evolve. I'm not sure that I could say that it is happening, or it's not happening, it still feels kind of like we're in this liminal space right now in in, in the idea. But um, I think that people should just be curious and know that this technology is going to be integrated into your life, or your career or your job or, or your your passion in in one way or another and just um you know uh start talking about it and dive in wow from blue skies on the farm to in this limbo of somewhat are we or aren't we creating the metaverse well this this is amazing you know one thing you both hit on that i, I want to touch on a little bit more is mentorship and some of the people that helped guide you where can our listeners go if they're looking to get good ai mentorship should they Google the Vector Institute, you know, go to any, you know, most professor at any academic institution, most of their professor emails are on the website publicly available, I think, uh, most directories. So like, should they just start emailing AI profs? Do they go on Twitter, LinkedIn, lol, um, or try to join some Discord AI communities? Like, where do people go to find some of these AI mentors? It really depends. Right. It depends on, um, well, firstly, please, please don't just start emailing pros. <laughs> just don't. They, they oversubscribe you. My bad. My bad. That's a very them. bad recommendation. <laughs> do not do that. Um, but I, I think as with most mentorship activity, by the way, like um, mentorship is near and dear to my heart. And as this is advice outside of AI as well. Before you approach mentorship, don't approach it for the sake of mentorship. Understand what you want to be mentored about. So you need to be clear about what it is you're seeking mentorship about. Um, the AI world is very different and varied. I would do your homework first. Read papers. Um, engage. If you want to engage with AI researchers, engage with them about their papers. Most, if not all, researchers have an email address that's published along with the paper. So if, you, if you're looking at published AI papers, get in touch with them. Even if it's not a, you know, a superstar name, it doesn't mean that they're not highly intelligent AI researchers. Um, and so I would engage with them on the kinds of research that, you really important, uh, that, that is really important to you. Um, and then there's like the theoretical side and the applied side, right? Like there are companies that are applying you know, novel forms of AI research and uh, some super smart, innovative companies. I would go through, um, you know, in Toronto, you have areas like the Creative Destruction Lab, Next AI, um, incubators, accelerators that are spinning out AI-based companies. They, they're busy, we, as are we, for setting up startups. But 
there might be questions, directed questions that you can ask them if you're really curious about it. So in summary, do your homework, see what you want to be mentored about, um, and maybe stack your mentorship based on the kind of questions that you want to ask. Petro, did you have anything to add? Um, I think my addition uh, to this question is going to be far less practical and uh, maybe more whimsical, but I think that, you know, my personal mentorship comes from the people I work with, my amazing team, from my business partners, from our advisors. Um, and like Manal said, you know, we're, we're always chewing through uh, papers and research and, and uh, new technologies that are being, um, in, that are inspiring us. But, you know, if that is my source of inspiration, the way that I found it was just by talking to people, just by reaching out and not being afraid to say, you know, in the community around me to say, hey, I'm interested in this, but I don't know anything about it. Do you know anybody that I can talk to? And we're, we live in a world of social media and everybody's connected and just, you know, let let down your guard and build build a community around you and you'll, you'll find like-minded people, you'll find people to um, inspire you and hopefully you'll find people to work together because no one can do this on their own. And uh, yeah, I, I'm thankful for the mentorship that comes from from our own team every day. If you're not within the um, the AI research educational academic circles, another practical experience is the Toronto Machine Learning Summit every year puts on an excellent conference. And I should write to Dave and get kickbacks for this free advertisement, but uh, they do put on excellent content. They make it incredibly accessible anybody can go in and they've got separate tracks. So based on your level of technical abilities, you know, you can really crunch through it. NVIDIA is uh, having their global conference, the GTC that happens every single year. Fantastic, fantastic content. You know, they really curate it. So those are also areas that you can go beyond just mentorship to, to get information beyond just publications that may or may not be accessible to you depending on how big your technical expertise is. Absolutely. Well, these are some really great tips down from the do not email professors, but do read their papers and reach out with very specific asks after doing your homework and building that community and working with people who can inspire you and mentor you as you work shoulder to shoulder, solving some of these big, audacious goals and challenges in the space. So incredible. And I love, you know, Pietro, you talk about team dynamics. And even in this, this interview, we can see the dynamic between you, the the tactical, ooh, ooh, do this, do this, do this. And the whimsical, well, you know, at a high level, theoretically, you know, here's what you're thinking about and here's what you want to do. And the interplay between the two of you is truly magical to watch. And I feel so fortunate to have been able to spend the last little while with you. So I have my very last question. And the last question we'll pose to each of you and Pietro, you can lead us off is, you know, we've talked about a lot of things, perhaps beyond that, what is exciting you the most about the field of AI right now? I think um, the field of AI feels a lot like, even though AI is an, is an, is an old idea, right? But it, it feels like we're on the cusp of something big and it fe it still feels like early days to me at least. And so there's an, the excitement of the early days of the internet. If, you know, I'm going to date myself, but the, those days where you just saw all this possibility and all of, all of this um, hope for what this technology could do. And the nature of AI is that it will keep getting smarter. It's going to keep getting better. And, you know, that, that, that can be a scary idea at the same time, 
but I'm hopeful that if we can integrate it with culture and humanity, that that that's what's exciting for us is that the, it theoretically has no ceiling to unlock, you know, human potential to unlock human imagination for, for me, that's, that's, what's most exciting. And that's, that's how it plays into this metaverse idea, which is, you know, equally mysterious and exciting, but that those two, those two together could be, could be really powerful, really transformative for, for uh, people around the world, uh, around the world. For me to build off what Pietro is saying, the most exciting thing is just the voices that haven't yet had the power of AI. What are they going to bring? What worlds, what new worlds are they going to create? And, you know, unlocking human imagination in ways that we, we can't even conceive right now. That to me is a real exciting frontier of AI. It's not just how AI exists on its own, but how we create a world of new intelligences. So many mic drops in this conversation. My goodness, you know, you can hear the the hope, you can hear the fear, the possibility, the imagination, the, the interweaving of culture, the machines and humans learning from each other. But the two big mic drops from this conversation that I'm, I know I'm going to take away is storytelling as the operating system for humanity and the voices that haven't yet had the power of AI. Wow, that is incredible. Well, thank you all so, so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's an honor. And thanks, as always, to our generous sponsors, Microsoft Canada and Cinchi, the Dataware platform. And don't forget to check out our team check-ins, which are another great way to get involved with our podcast. You can get more details about team check-ins and listen to this podcast on askai.org. We invite all of our listeners to send us questions and feedback at info at askai.org. Thanks, and this is Melissa Kirchenakis as your host, saying goodbye with Manal and Pietro. Thanks for listening to the Ask AI podcast. The sponsors of this episode were Microsoft Canada, producers of the Free AI Business School, and Cinchi, the dataware platform that makes integration obsolete. The series producer was Chris McClellan. The series editor was James Fajardo. Original music was provided by Mike Letourneau. To learn how to be featured on our podcast and get information about sponsorship and volunteering opportunities, please visit our website at askai.org, send us an email to info at askai.org, or talk to our bot by visiting askai.org forward stroke chatbot.